everybody, welcome back. This is Phantom Power Music. My name is Taylor Williams. I'm the host of the podcast as well as the writer for our blog that reviews independent and unsigned artists from around the world. And we're getting deeper and deeper into the podcast space, and I thought it would be a good idea for me to introduce myself a little bit, talk just a little bit about my background, but also give you an idea as to what I believe to be true about the industry, some things that you cannot control, some things that you can control, and then talk about uh, the future with respect to Web3, value for value, lightning, all that fun stuff that's going on with websites like uh, the Podcast Index and uh, Wave Lake and things of that nature. So briefly, let me tell you a little bit about myself. So I've been playing in bands professionally uh, for about 40 years now. Sounds crazy, but it's true. Lucky enough to study piano composition in college, lucky enough to study jazz piano, jazz guitar, lucky enough to spend about four years on the road, literally four years out of a suitcase, couple thousand gigs, probably 20 major studio albums. Really lucky to work at some great recording studios out in LA, uh, Capitol, Ocean Way, uh, Hollywood Sound. And then I was in Los Angeles from the transition from tape to Pro Tools, so that was fascinating to see uh, how that changed the whole industry. Um, was never able to sign a major deal myself, but I definitely signed distribution deals, licensing uh, agreements, things of that nature for my uh, compositions. And uh, even when I stepped away from the industry, I continued to play in bands uh, around town just for fun and, and all over the country. And I've been really lucky to live in uh, a bunch of different parts of the country. If you read the blog, hopefully you are a regular reader to the blog and you can tell, okay, that, you know, this guy's got some, some pretty good knowledge with respect to music theory. And I'm very passionate about songwriting. And more importantly, I had so many people that helped me when I was coming up through the industry, people that supported the bands that I was in, people that put us up when we were on the road, that I really feel a responsibility to kind of mentor uh, younger musicians today and help them out. And I, I have found myself uh, in a lot of situations giving advice to younger musicians, uh, you know, things you can and can't control, uh, people to look out for, uh, best practices, methods, albums to listen to, all that kind of fun stuff, right? Um, and I'm, and it's given me a lot of joy because, again, like I had so many people helping me out when I was young that I really feel responsible uh, to give back in that regard. So as I get deeper and deeper into the podcast world, I wanted to jot down some thoughts and share them with you so that you know who I am as the host. And hopefully you'll like it. Uh, hopefully you'll kind of appreciate my take and want to keep subscribing and and uh, take it from there. So um, having said that, uh, I'm going to read off nine things to you. Six of these you have no control over. And I really hope that younger artists, artists that are in their 20s, uh, will kind of pick up on some of this stuff. And I think a lot of the veterans out there will, will identify with this. The number one reason why the industry is so hard is there's no barrier to entry to this. Yet you and I have no control over this. There's no test of skill. There's no license. There's really no experience necessary to start releasing music and to start playing gigs. 
this doesn't exist in the professional world, right? Like I, I can't just go out and call myself a structural engineer because I think steel buildings are cool. I, I can't call myself a chef just because I make a kick-ass chicken Kiev. I don't call myself a master plumber because I swapped out the disposal, right? There's no barrier to entry into this. And the rise of technology and, and cheap recording and free software enables anyone to call themselves an artist and release music, whether it's good or it's not. Now, don't get me wrong, there's been some fantastic successes in this realm, right? Billie Eilish, Bailey Zimmerman, Lil Nas, I think um, Post Malone in some respects. Uh, you, you know, the, a lot of hip hoppers have come up uh, on SoundCloud and Bandcamp, and I'm not knocking that, but what I am knocking is it's so easy that too many people are doing it. And quite frankly, the majority of the music that's being put out is crap. It's it's poor quality. And I'm not don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to bag on the artists. What what I'm saying is the quality of the songwriting is not there. The quality of the recording is not there. And you guys that are busting your ass to put out good music, you see this all the time. You'll you'll go around town, you'll see a band and you're like, "How the hell did they get that gig?" Like they're not tight, they're not paying attention, they're drunk on stage, whatever it is. Like, or or you listen to stuff on Spotify that's just garbage. Spotify doesn't care, right? Um, for the two hundred blogs that I've written on Muso Soup, I literally I probably went through three or four thousand songs on Muso to find two hundred that I liked, right? Like, there's so much garbage out there. So, you know, at, and as a result, there's millions of songs out there and thousands of artists who believe that they are good enough to do this just because they figured out garage band and cakewalk and they've and they've got a couple of uh, sm57s right so yeah and, and we have no control over that there's no barrier to entry to this that's number one you can't control that there's no barrier to entry number two your aunt karen is an idiot and you can't control it the general public with respect to music, they're idiots. You, you can't control it. And I don't, uh, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to be mean. He, here's what I mean by that. False praise feeds the beast. Aunt Karen, who is lovely, is, is tone deaf. And your Aunt Kel, uh, Karen can't tell the difference between your crappy cousin Kelly and Taylor Swift. Don't confuse activity with results and remember that the general public knows nothing about the difference between mediocrity and mastery when it comes to music just like you and i don't know the difference between mediocrity and greatness when it comes to those professions that have a high barrier to entry right like there's a lot of four core i call them four chord trust girls here in nashville that cannot play a bar chord to save their life. They know four chords, they move their capo up and down the neck, they can't write a song by themselves, and they rely too much on trust money, on their looks or whatever. Somebody else is gonna write the song for them. The general public doesn't know the difference between people who have incredible talent and are busting their ass and somebody who is really mediocre because the general public doesn't have the ear for it. And I'm not, uh, please don't misunderstand me. I'm stating a fact. I'm not trying to bash the people who are tone deaf and who don't know the difference. I'm giving you a straight fact. That there's a lot of mediocre bands out there that aren't blazing any trails, that are, that are just regurgitating old tropes, and the public lap, laps it up, right? It's a fact, and we can't control it. 
but there's so many <clears throat> mediocre bands out there and it's so and artists and it's so easy to record stuff that there's more garbage than there than there are gems right i i firmly believe i firmly believe there's another band out here in the states somewhere or in london or in europe or in australia somebody else has recorded another white album another dark side of the moon and we'll never hear it we'll never hear it just cuz there's so much noise out there and we we really can't control it number 3 here's another one that you can't control um record companies make burritos they don't make art record companies make burritos they are not interested in how good the burrito tastes. They're only interested in how many more they can sell with the fewest and cheapest ingredients. You, as an artist, you are a commodity to them. You're not a treasure, and you can't control it. It is what it is. It's a fact, right? Now, here's part of it that you can control that's also ugly, and that, and that is, number four, art is a business, and it's the ugly truth. Like, as much as we all want to be touchy-feely, lovey-dovey, we're art, and it's all about community and moving the ball forward for all of humanity. You know, that the ugly side of it is that it's a business, right? And it contradicts the, art, the artist in you. But you do have to be aggressive on the business side and try to find something that people will relate to. And you can do both. You can be good on the business side and still be an artist. Actually, understanding business is the easier equation than it is to understanding how to be a great artist and trying to be a great artist. The, the, the business side's easy. There's a lot of aspects of it that you, that you can't control, but you can certainly understand it a hell of a lot easier than you can understand, why in the hell have I not written a good song? Why was this band off tonight, right? Like, there are so many mystical and mythical things that go along with being an artist. But you have to be good at business because you've got Aunt Karen, who's tone deaf, who thinks Cousin Kelly is amazing, but we all know that Cousin Kelly sucks. And there's a lot of crappy Cousin Kellys out there. So you got to be good at business to succeed at this. And, it, and art is a business. We wish it wasn't, but it is. There it is, right? And you, you can't control it. Here's one that you can control. And this one's going to, that this is like the, the, uh, the hard truth of being an artist is that for, for the most part, most artists out there that are trying to make it, they're not digging deep enough and they haven't found the message that resonates yet. In many respects, they're lazy, right? You know, whenever you, so whenever you have a song that's done, a song you've written, a song you've tracked in the studio, you really need to ask yourself honestly if it's good enough to release if any part of it should be redone, if the time is right to put it out, if it fits in with the message or whatever your mantra is, or frankly, you know, if you should throw it away. And all of those things should happen well after you have tortured yourself through the writing process to make it as absolutely good as can be. And yet you, you do have control over this part of it. Like, are you, are, are you being lazy or are you digging deep enough, hard enough, to be the best artist that you can possibly be? Are you reading books and ideas that you don't agree with to expand your thought process and maybe get some ideas? Are you 
practicing your instrument, learning new scales and chords and extensions and dissecting songs and whatnot to be a better player? Are you writing songs in different genres for other artists solely for the enjoyment of writing and in the process of getting better? I don't, as a little sidebar, I th uh, Megan Trainer, I, th I thought I heard something where her dad, as she was coming up, her dad's a musician and her dad used to say, all right, this week you're going to write a Motown song, or this week you're going to write a country song, this week you're going to write a blues song, this, that, and the other thing. Like, there's, you know, don't just stay in your lane of what you're comfortable with. You, you, if you're going to be an artist, study all aspects of the art, right? So that's my fifth point, and that, and that one you do have some control over. So let's go back over the, the top five real quick. Number one, there's no barrier to entry, and you can't control it. Number two, Aunt Karen's an idiot. We love her, but she's an idiot. She's tone deaf, and she's part of the general public, and you can't control it. Number three, record companies make burritos. They don't make art. You can't control that. Number four, art is a business. You can control the fact that you understand business, but art as a business, it is what it is, right? And then number five, are you digging deep enough to be the best artist you can be? All right, here's another one that stands out to me with respect to the state of the music industry today. YouTube and your church band are absolutely awful. They are poor collaborators, and they are teaching you the wrong way. It kind of relates to the previous idea, but I see a lot of musicians on YouTube and in church who are great in that setting, but when the red light is on, when they're in the studio, when they're, on, when they're doing a club gig, or even when they're on tour, they suck. Just because you can riff like Metallica or McCoy Tyner on YouTube does not mean at all that you can play with a band. A band is going to live and breathe. Even if that band is playing to a click, to a click it's gonna, the tempo is going to move a little bit. The band's going to move a little bit. you got to be able to think on your feet. If you're just sitting there playing with YouTube, shredding, yeah, good luck. I have absolutely no interest in playing in a band with you. If, if you can't play in a band... You shouldn't be doing this. Number two, and I'm not knocking religion, churches are terrible places to learn how to play in a band for two reasons. Number one, it's a safe space. It's not about whether or not the band is any good. It's about God and community, right? So you can suck and still be accepted as a great musician, which relates to that false praise narrative that I was talking about earlier with respect to Aunt Karen. By the way, has Aunt Karen told you about this amazing singer at her church? Well, trust me, that singer sucks. But that singer is in a safe space, as well as she should be in the church. That's what it's about, right? But it gives a sense of false praise. And number two, church music directors, nine times out of ten, they're going to beat down dynamics. I should know. Like, I, was in a, I was in a Catholic church band for years, right? And, it, and you have to shed a lot of those bad habits coming out because live bands live music it has to breathe and and, and you can control the, uh, all of that right like don't put people in your band that that have only played on youtube <laughs> you know you want to hire church musicians okay just know what you're going to get and work with them to become uh, a better artist out in the live space you know i i cannot tell you how many young musicians I've run across who can shred, but they have no sense of timing, no sense of community, no sense of playing in a band. And that's because they've spent their entire 
quote unquote career in YouTube or in church. They, you know, there's no substitute for playing with a band. None. You know, just like there's no substitute for playing on a team if you're in basketball or baseball or football. You know, just because you're great at throwing the football around the neighborhood does not mean the Titans are going to, you know, draft you. So that's one that you can't control. That's th- that that you can control. That's number six. Number seven, and I don't think you have a lot of control on this, but timing has a lot to do with it. Whether or not you're going to be successful, timing has a lot to do with it. All right, the Beatles were in the right place at the right time. Was are were they amazing writers? Absolutely, but they busted their ass over in Hamburg for a long time, right? And right place at the right time. Would another band have popped up out of England at the time? Yeah. Possibly. But they put in the work so that they were in the right place at the right time. Metallica, in many respects, is the same thing, right? Right place at the right time. Like, they busted their ass. They created their sound. You know, L.A. was all about the hair metal band, and here comes four guys down from San Francisco. Like, man, who who knew that there was an audience for this? Like, we were just doing this because we loved it ourselves, and, you know, we had some Bay Area people that loved us, but... You know, and, and they had to fight for their fan base, but it was a hell of a lot easier than most because right place at right time. And talent, right? Beatles, talented. Metallica, talented. Taylor Swift, talented. Right place at right time, you know, in the 2008, 2009, when the industry, when, when MySpace had really propped up and the industry was looking for a young female artist, right place at right time. Now, you can say what you want about her background and, and, and what her, uh, you know, dad's position has been with respect to helping out her career, absolutely. But the songs stand for themselves, right place at the right time. If she didn't have the talent, she wouldn't be where she is today, right? D- don't mistake what I was saying about her about her place in the industry. And I don't. And but but there's so much of that that you can't control because there's more artists that are, like you know, let's go back through some of these things I was just talking about. Like, I, I fully believe there's another dark side of the moon out there that we'll never hear because that band was just wrong place, wrong time. There's amazing singers around Nashville, around Seattle, around New York. Wrong place, wrong time. You can't really control it. In many respects, it it goes to my next point, which is, and this is something that you can't control, and that is life is not fair. The world owes you nothing. You know, I mean... Terrible accidents kill beautiful people. Planes crash. Kids die of cancer. It's awful. It's not fair. It's life. You, you, you can't control that. In many respects, you can't control the time of where you're at in your career and where you're at geographically. You just, you just can't, you know? And by the way, I, I, I will say that if, if you're depressed because you're not quote-unquote famous, then you should really check yourself as to whether or not you should be doing this because you're doing it for the wrong res- reasons. The last one, and you can't really control this one either, and this is more of kind of like a smart-ass comment from me, is that the final stinger in, the, in all of this is that a lot of people will look down on you for taking this path of trying to be an artist. And the world needs artists. The world needs you, by the way. Keep fighting. But a lot of people are going to look down on you and dissuade you from doing it, and then they're going to kiss your ass if, if you get successful. Just know that that's going to happen, right? All the people you've been begging to come to your shows that don't show up, and then, and then you pop, and they're the ones who come out of the woodwork. You know, 
Yeah, you know where that's going. I've seen it time and again with my friends who I've had some friends who are very active in the industry and they've been very successful. And that's one of the things that just absolutely pisses them off. And I don't blame them. Right. So those are nine points about the industry. And six of those you don't have any control over. Three of them you do. Right. Who you hang out with. That relates to the one I was talking about with YouTube and the church band. You have control over that. How hard you work, you absolutely have control over that. How much you understand about the business, you absolutely have control over that. The rest of it, you don't. There's no barrier to entry. The general public doesn't know the difference between mediocrity and greatness. Record companies make burritos. They don't make art. Life's not fair. Timing sucks. Right? Okay, so, but I still love the industry and I still want to see people succeed. So here's where I was going with all of this. There are some amazing things happening for artists on the internet right now, specifically in Web3. And if you don't know what Web3 is, it's the latest version of the internet. Like, think about Web. One is like way back when, when it was just very simple, you could go online and you could see something, but you really couldn't have any sort of interaction to it. Web two, which is what we're coming to the end of right now, that is, uh, you know, that includes Facebook, um, Instagram, TikTok, where there's more interaction. Of course, uh, there's a lot of uh, high gardened walls. There's a lot of video content, things of that nature. Uh, Web three is just the next version of all of it. Um, you want to consider it to include uh, AI, chat, GPT, IOT, all of those things. Yes, absolutely. Another huge factor of this, frankly, is what is going on with cryptocurrencies. And there is a uh, monetary uh, model called value for value. And you should look up valueforvalue.info so that you can understand what I'm talking about here. It is a monetization model. It's a content format. And in many respects, it's a way of life. And I'm reading verbatim off of this website. It's, it is about freedom and openness and connection and free speech, sound money and censorship resistant. Uh, the largest success to date of applied V4V is podcasting 2.0. And what that is, is the content creator can receive money directly from the listener, right? You've already seen this on the reviews that I've uh, posted on Fountain with our podcasts. You've seen other people start to do it as well. You've seen it on the top 10 show. Hey, here's this song from Amber Sweeney or uh, Joe Martin, and I really like it. I'm going to send them some money right away. I'm going to send, and, and let's be honest, it's Bitcoin, right? And we can have a whole other podcast about, about Bitcoin. We're, we'll, we'll get to that later. But this whole thought process of value for value and the consumer sending money directly to the artist is going to up in the industry. There's always going to be a couple little transaction fees, right? Like you might have a host take 1% of this or, or 2% of that. But at the end of the day, the artist is getting like 90 to 95% of the income. And if the song is awful, do you think that 
that artist is going to get sats, is going to get money. And by the way, sats are like pennies of Bitcoin, right? Just think of it that way. That's not a great explanation of it. But if you're new to cryptocurrencies, just think of satoshis or sats as the pennies of Bitcoin. If Bitcoin is a dollar, sats are pennies. And I'll just leave it at that. But the value for value model allows for the listener to pay the creator directly. Now, if you're a songwriter and you get 90 cents on the dollar, that's a hell of a lot better than the typical 12% that you would get if you signed a, a major label deal. And for those of you who have your music on Spotify, you know that you're not getting 12% of a dollar every time a dollar is generated on Spotify, which hasn't turned to profit, by the way. So let that sink in with respect to how this will change artists' life and how this could change and end artistic poverty. And let that sink in with respect to what is it going to do to the middlemen in the industry? Oh, my goodness gracious, it is going to change everything. The other thing you should think of if you're a songwriter or an artist, and a, a visual artist too, is that there is a, a, a mantra, a way of life, a, a thought process called 1,000 True Fans. And you should look that up online as well if you go to kk.org. Um, or if you just Google 1,000 True Fans, you're going to come across the site that let, <laughs> that looks like it was designed in Web 1, right? It's, it's kind of an older-looking site, but the, the idea is simple. If you had 1,000 true fans, and every year those 1,000 people gave you $100 for your art, that's a $100,000 income. That's a great income. And for those of you who are out there struggling, I'm sure you would love to have that option compared to what you're dealing with right now with respect to playing gigs down on Broadway or playing gigs up in New York or Seattle and how hard you're fighting. So take the 1,000 true fans thought process, read about it. Take the value for value thought process and think about it. And understand how the tide is changing for unsigned artists. And understand why I'm so excited about all of this. Technically speaking, with respect to value for value, what's going on is there's a lot of technology that, that came about this summer, the summer of 2023, with, specifically with respect to lightning-enabled wallets in the Bitcoin world that allow micropayments to happen instantaneously. Somebody likes your song. Like, hey, man, here's here's 50 bucks or here's 100 bucks or here's one dollar, whatever. But you're going to get that money right away. You're not going to have to wait three months for DistroKid or Spotify or your agent or whomever to cut you a check. You get it right away. This is really exciting stuff that's going on. And it's part of the reason why we have jumped in so hard into the podcasting thing, because I, I really didn't feel like I was helping 
artists out with just my blogs as much as I could, but now I really can. And now I'm passionate about trying to get as many artists as I can over into this world, getting their music hosted on Web3 sites that are podcast 2.0 enabled that allow this technology to happen. You know, the record industry, the, the entertainment industry is a $43 billion juggernaut right and oh by the way last time i looked at bitcoin the total valuation was like 456 trillion there's 44 million paying subscribers to spotify in this country right now which incidentally is roughly the same amount of people in america that are holding bitcoin 44 million does that cause a couple of light bulbs to go off what about somebody in europe who's listening to your song they're like oh that's dope man yeah das ist gut and i'm gonna send them some money right away or as an artist you're typically a more empathetic person you're typically a more um, philanthropic person getting involved in value for value and, and this bitcoin space will enable you to support other artists around the world, to support causes around the world, to support the people in the world who are unbanked, meaning they don't, they don't live in a country that uh, has the resources where they can go out and get a bank account. And they're, and they're not tied to a specific currency because the currency in their country is just so awful. It's another reason to really study up on this stuff. Now think about this as well. I, I'm going to list some companies for you and tell me what happened. Sears, Blockbuster, Kodak. What happened? They went under, right? Life's not fair. People don't plan for the future. They get whacked. Do you think this is going to happen to Spotify? It could. Spotify has not turned a profit. What is going to happen to them when more and more people get involved in value for value and get involved in these lightning-enabled wallets and get involved in Bitcoin and start paying artists what they are worth? These DSPs and these labels, and when I say DSP, I'm, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, iTunes, DistroKid, Spotify, Deezer, right? Those companies are going to be in a world for hurt once this takes over. And it's going to take over because the only thing that is constant in life is change. So this is why we're so excited. Those nine things that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you, you know, six, you can't change. Three, you got some hand in. But this is massive and it's, it's going to change the industry. We are already seeing this happen. It is happening this summer. We've had artists on Wavelake cross over a million Satoshis this summer with one song. We have artists that are making close to $1,000 a month in Bitcoin while they're getting robbed on iTunes and Spotify. Great stuff, man. There's a lot to complain about in this world, but there's always something great to look forward to as well. And this is one of those things that you 
should be looking forward to. And this is why we're so excited. So I really hope you guys take the time to read up on value for value and to read up on a thousand true things. And to, quite frankly, read up a little bit on Bitcoin. It's not that hard to, to understand what's going on. And it's certainly not that hard to get a wallet and jump into this. And I really hope you put your music up on a Web3 enabled site that supports lightning enabled payments. And if you like this podcast, I hope that you support it with a lightning enabled payment. You can follow us on Fountain. You can follow us on phantompowermusic.com where all our blogs are. We're on the socials as well. And we hope you'll check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening. That is my first rant. There is going to be more. And yeah, that's it. See you later. Smile for the mugshot. <laughs>